Well, I don't know how many of you have ever had a very sneaky person in your life, kind of conniving person. Um, maybe someone who cuts corners uh, to get ahead, or, or maybe they're unusually cruel to get ahead. Have you ever had someone like that? At, maybe at your work, you had to be with them, or at school, you had to be with them family, you had to be with them. Um, those are difficult. Sometimes in the neighborhood, it's like you don't have to be with everybody. Um, but maybe you're in a community where you see a lot of folks that are that way, and, and they take advantage of others, and they just seem to berate others, and that's how they get their ideas across, their purposes across. And yeah, that'd be difficult, because we're, as Christians, we're not called to weakness, but we're called to meekness and to honoring the Lord and how we react to those who are ungodly in their strength uh, or in pushing people around. Reading a little short biography, this is actually several biographies, but one of them, the first one is uh, about Louis Zamperini. I don't go to all the details here, but enjoyed reading Hildebrand's biography of him, Unbroken, I think is the name of that biography, and you guys may know Angelia Jolie uh, put, a, put together a movie on this story. Amazing story. Um, but, I won't give it all, but, but within his story, he becomes a prisoner of war and, uh, and is severely mistreated by someone who is psychotic. This person just gets off on harming people, on mistreating them, pain giving pain, and the, and the things that the books retell are just, it turns your stomach, the things that this individual did. And he calls this person the bird. And, um, and there's, there's quite a bit of a, a climax between him and this individual as this individual tries to break Louis uh, because he represented the U.S. in the Olympics, and, and so he's kind of a, a figurehead, and this person really wanted to make Louis give up, and, and he never did. And so he took all this mistreatment, all this mistreatment, gets out of World War II and comes home as a war hero, all these accolades, and then zoop, gets married, and there's nothing but the nightmares, the PTSD, um, where he wakes up harming his wife, the sweat. This, this, this man continues to haunt him in his sleep. Comes an alcoholic, cannot deal with it at all. At that time, his, his wife gets saved, born again. She totally changes. She was divorcing him. She totally changes him, starts to give him a little space and says, you've got to come with me to this evangelistic service. Billy Graham is preaching. And I won't go into all the details, but he gets saved. No more nightmares. Unbelievable unbelievable. It's all gone. Um, the Lord starts working in his heart, right? Nothing's perfect. It's not perfect, but he starts growing in maturity where he realizes, I want to go back and I want to forgive to the face these people who mistreated me. And so he goes back and he starts forgiving each of his persecutors. Some of them are in prison at this point. An amazing picture of the gospel where he's forgiving those who mistreated him. 
but he's never able to get to the chief one. That person was never brought to trial, was never sent to prison. Here's Louis coming over because it's big in the news, and he refuses to meet with him. And he's able to let that go. That's, that's hard. When you are mistreated, berated, abused, and justice wheels seem to not catch up to this person. Maybe right now, someone that mistreated you, you know, is sitting down, watching TV, and eating popcorn. And you're like, why? They are so cruel. They are so wicked. And nothing catches up. Well, that has been the song of the ages. Several of your psalms are written to help us with that. Because all of us are mistreated, some people much more than others. And at times, society does not take care of that justice. And so we say, why, Lord? And so the psalmist is dealing with that. In Psalm 37, another psalm, many psalms deal with this. What's helpful is Psalm 73 also deals with this. Psalm 73 and 37, among others. And so we're going to help. God's going to help us with leading us in times where you are living amongst wicked people who seem to be prospering. Okay? And that's what he deals with in this psalm. I'm going to skip the review of the psalms because of time. Um, And and so maybe we'll handle that next week. Uh, Let's just jump right into trusting God's timing and guiding when the wicked prosper in life. Trusting in God's timing when the wicked prosper in life. And we're going to do this. As I say, it's 40 verses. So we really can't give attention to each of the verses. Uh, So what we're going to do is we're going to handle this thematically. We're going to look at the different themes, and I hope as we walk through this, it will help you learn how to study your Bible uh, by looking at the different themes in a passage. Okay, so that's what this is. Um, we'll hold off on that for just a second, Steve, just, just uh, one minute. Actually, I'll pass out uh, all these themes in front of you, but let me recover them for you, and then, and then we'll actually look at them on a sheet of paper here. Uh, so, when I say themes, maybe some of you are already checked out. Now, it's a little warm, so maybe you checked out anyway. But, but uh, some, like, if you don't like English, I said themes, like I could have done worse and said thesis statement, motifs, right? We could have gone really crazy on you. And, and with some folks, you're just like, Tim, stop it, okay? I realize that. But this is just helpful. It's just the idea. We just want to know what the text says. What are the big ideas, the main ideas of Psalm 37? That's exactly what we're asking. Okay, and so when you open your Bible and you study in the morning, or maybe you say, oh, I want to study Philippians, or I want to learn what, the Bible, what, what Ruth says, this is what you do. You, you pick up those 40 verses, and you just read them over several times. You say, what is the recurring big ideas in this text? Okay, so that's what we're going to do. As we look at the big ideas in Psalm 37, I found seven of them. Seven primary themes. First of all, you have the wicked. In just a minute, we'll, I'll give you a sheet that includes all of them here. But the wicked, right, continues to come up. These ideas of the wicked. You find it in verses 12 and 13 there. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnashes at him with his teeth. I love verse 13. What does the Lord do in response? 
the Lord laughs at him for his day is coming. But, but there's just all this information about the wicked in Psalm 37. They mistreat people. They're cruel. And, and the difficulty is several times, look at verse 7, it mentions that he's prosperous. Or that you may struggle being envious at the wicked. Okay, So it's not just that this wicked person immediately reaps what he sows. And so this is another theme that comes up. But the wicked and then the righteous is another theme. He keeps talking about the righteous person. Or this is another idea that, that he's dealing with as he describes the wicked and the righteous. Uh, I'll back up for just a second. Another reason we look at this thematically is because the psalm is not organized in, in a logical progression. Uh, like I'm right now studying through Romans, getting ready for a series in the fall, and it's so awesome how all of these ideas build on each other, build on each other, build on each other, like stair steps. Well, this psalm is organized as a poem that's an acrostic. All right, so it's Hebrew letters. That's the organizing idea. And, and so, like, this theme comes up in verse 1, but it doesn't necessarily go exactly with verse 4 or 6 or 8. You know, so, so it's organized around the alphabet rather than organized around a flow of thought. And so you kind of have some loop-de-loos here. Instead of just a, a, a straight-on, this is the idea as it progresses from stair step to stair step, and we end up on stair two all the way, you know, in verse 27. Does that make sense? Okay, so poetry doesn't necessarily go in just sequential order. Sometimes there's repetition there. And so that's what we're doing here. The righteous. The wicked borrows and does not pay. The righteous is gracious and gives. All right, so he starts describing the wicked and the righteous here. The righteous, righteous is gracious. Um, the wicked steals, takes. The righteous is generous. For those blessed by him will inherit the land, but the curse of him will be cut off. But those cursed by him will be cut off. The steps of a good man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Really, verses 23 and 24 could be highlighted in yellow here because it's all about the righteous. Verses 23 and 24. The steps of a good man are established by the Lord. He delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. And so what I do when I'm studying a passage of scripture, what I enjoy doing is just getting out my color pencils and color pens, I have them back here, and just highlighting the different ideas in the same color. So it just jumps off the page at me. Every time it mentions a righteous person or a godly person or that idea, I highlight that in that color. Dwell in the land kept coming up in this psalm. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. All right, so here's another big idea that keeps recurring in this psalm. Well, this is David writing, and, and that's a big deal to him, because he fought for the land, but there were at least two times in his life that what happened to him? He got kicked out of the land. Right? One time because of his own sin, one time because of the sin of Saul, but David loved the land of Israel, and he wants to dwell in that land. You know, this repeated idea in the Old Testament, that the promise given to Abraham for the blessing of the land to Israel is, is conditioned upon their continual obedience to the Lord. And so David's saying, Lord, help me to, to live in such a way that I continue to dwell in the land. But it gets deeper than that in just a second. There's this idea of being cut off. And that's similar to dwell in the land. You can either dwell in the land, sink your roots deep, or you can be cut off and left to wither. Trust in the Lord keeps coming up, right? So we can need to trust in the Lord. 
when we're dealing with seeing people prosper who do not obey him. And so trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord. Uh, repeatedly that's mentioned. And we're going to return to that verse, those verses here in just a minute. Number six, timing. So this is very helpful. There's the idea of timing. Um, I have some grass from our, our yard. All right, so here we go. This, this grass was looking really good this morning. It is starting to fade. It's just a matter of time. Look at this guy. I mean, he's, he's having real trouble. We've got some brown coming all along the sides. Uh, now, this may be because it was 90 degrees the last several days, too. But it was doing well. But, but as soon as I cut it out of the land, it's starting to, it's starting to fade. It's starting to dry up. In just a little bit of time, that is going to be dead grass. And so, as you read this psalm, you, you recognize this is a key component. Wicked, prosperous. Trust in the Lord. Don't be fretful. You're going to dwell in the land. But the wicked are prosperous. I don't feel very prosperous. So what does it come down to? Timing. Timing. Because the righteous will dwell in the land. What's the next word? Forever. The wicked will wither quickly like the grass. The righteous will dwell in the land forever. Okay, we'll have our... our, um, Ushers, go ahead and pass this out. Thank you, Steve. Uh, The last one here is what God does. What God does. The Lord is the one that puts this together. The Lord is the one that puts this together. I don't think I have enough sheets, so we'll have to have just one per family, one per uh, couple, one per individual here. Um, I should have printed more off. Sorry about that. But but I'll email this to you. So repeatedly now we have this idea of this is what the Lord does. And so what I did is I just put all these themes together, and you could have color-coded this even more, but all these themes together that jump out to you at the psalm, um, and what you do is once you have the big ideas together, you now try to summarize those big ideas in one sentence, in one sentence. Oh boy, we're out. Sorry, friends. You see it in front of you there, Um, and then I'll email it out. Um, but, but you see these, these, different, these different themes that come out. Um, do not fret because of evildoers, wrongdoers. And uh, let me just do this. I, I, I wanted to do this. I think I have time for it. Uh, because I do want to make sure we get to the application here. Uh, because once we formulate this into a main idea, we can't leave it there. We have to apply it to our lives. Or we haven't really studied the Bible. And I haven't preached. Um, So Psalm 37. You have it in front of you or have it in the screen. I don't think you can. I I just meant that more for the colors than for you to actually read. Yeah, that's not what I'm But you can read in your Bible as well. So let me read this. And as I read it, you you can just hear the different ideas, big ideas, jump off at the page at you. And you may choose other ones. Uh, Or you may fine-tune it even more. Uh, Do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious toward wrongdoers. For they will wither quickly like the grass. Right? They look so full. Right? It's just like I'm a little ant in there and I'm looking up and I'm like, holy cow, these billionaires don't care about God at all. 
right? This, we struggle with this. We'll get to that in just a second. I've got I to keep going. Um, Trust in the Lord and do good, verse 3. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Then this thing keeps coming up. Do not fret because of him who prospers in the way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil doing. For evildoers will be what? Cut off. They will be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord, they will what? Inherit the land. Yet a little while and the wicked man will be no more. You will look carefully for him. You're trying to find the grass there. And his place will not be there. But the humble will be what? Those who inherit the land. And will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. Then he starts describing a little more carefully, really from 12 down to verse 22, this contrast between the wicked and the righteous. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes at him with his teeth. So you have that mouth figure of him gnashing at the righteous with his teeth. What do you have the figure of the Lord with his mouth? The Lord laughs at him, for he sees ahead. He sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and bent their bow to cast down the afflicted and the needy, to slay those who are upright in conduct. Their sword will enter into their own heart. Their bows will will be broken. Better is a little of the righteous than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord sustains the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their inheritance will be forever. They will not be ashamed in the time of evil. In the days of famine, they will have abundance. But the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord will be like the glory of the pastures. Right. So there's the fading grass and then the glory of the pastures. The wicked will vanish like smoke. They vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not pay back. The righteous is gracious and gives. For those blessed by him will, in, will, what? will inherit the land. But those cursed by him will be what? Cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord. He delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. I've been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. All day long he's gracious and lends and his descendants are a blessing. Depart from evil and do good, so you will abide forever. The Lord loves justice, does not forsake his godly ones. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked will be cut off. The righteous will inherit the land, right? So he comes right back to that thing. He's mentioned it three times, but he keeps repeating this theme. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and the tongue speaks justice. The law of God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. The wicked spies upon the righteous and seeks to kill him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand or let him be condemned when he is judged. Wait for the Lord. Keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. I've seen a wicked, violent man, and and here's back to the prosperity of this person. 
spreading himself like a luxuriant tree. Again, he keeps going back to this pasture, land, grass motif. I've seen a wicked, violent man spreading himself like a luxuriant tree in his native soil. Then he was cut off. He passed away. He was no more. I sought for him, and I couldn't find him. Mark the blameless man, and behold the upright. For the man of peace will have a posterity. But the transgressors will be altogether destroyed. The posterity of the wicked will be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. There you have all of them put together. And it really helps as you consider these big ideas to, to kind of follow through. Okay, what is he talking about? Okay, the righteous, the wicked, there's this, there seems to be this prosperity for the wicked. The righteous will inherit the land. Okay, well, timing, God's timing is involved here. And pretty soon God will act. You see all those things that the Lord will do. So, in the meantime, what do we do? And then we apply this to ourselves. Okay, so let's work this through to a statement, and then we'll apply it to us, and we'll get out of here. Summary statement, how these themes work together. This is the way I put it together. The wicked mistreat the righteous and seem to prosper. Will fade. The wicked who mistreat the righteous and seem to prosper will fade. The righteous walk with God and are able to dwell in his land forever because they trust in him. So it gets all of those things together. Um, There's a couple very important points here, though, from this that we can't overlook. So let's apply this statement to us. Um, Three quick points of application. You can see them on the back there. But three quick primary applications. Don't be envious or angry, or fretful. These are the commands he gives us. You see that person cutting corners at work, it's, it's kind of like, boy, I, it's tempting to be envious because of what they get for their violence or their lawlessness. He's saying, don't be envious of them. Don't be envious of them. Don't be afraid of them. What if you become in their crosshairs? They, like, they clawed over everybody to get where they are, and now their eyes are centered on you. What are you going to do? It's very easy to be fretful. So he mentions three times, don't fret when you're in that place. You're fretting, you're anxious, if you're resting in your own works. Right? And so we need to be trusting in the Lord. So don't be envious. Don't be fretful. And then this third one, don't be angry. Don't be angry at them. It's very easy to be angry. It's very easy to be angry when you watch the evening news. Because it's going to focus on all the wickedness in the world. All of the violence, the mistreatment. It's just going to spell it out for you and show pictures and people crying. And it's very easy to become angry. Well, he gives us a different perspective on this. Because he shows that that's the grass. The wicked are like the grass. And they're going to be cut off. They're going to be cut off in just a little bit. So so the emotional response of our heart is not anger, it's pity. 
Oh God, they're trapped in their violent schemes. They, they can't sleep until they've hurt another person. Oh Lord, have mercy on them and save them. We could illustrate this this way. Let's say you're given a chance to work by cleaning the toilets at City Field for the opening night. Five hours after the game, during the game, you have to keep these things as clean as possible. But it's only five hours. And then for the rest of the season, you're free to get any seat you want in the whole stadium, even all the way through the playoffs, and as we'll see, into the World Series. Yes! Or you can choose to watch the opening game and clean the toilets the rest of the season. What is your choice? Okay, I'll do that opening game. Right? I'll do that because then the rest of the time I'm good. You're there that opening game and you're slugging away and you're cleaning and see people come in and start mocking you. You're cleaning the toilets. What kind of... And they may actually make a mess on purpose. What do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? Hey, buddy. <laughs> the rest of the season, I'm good. This is just the few hours. The few hours I need to do that. And that's what the, the psalmist is saying. It's just a matter of timing. And, and we could put that to an infinite degree. Right? Even if you're called to suffer in this life for a few hours... You got dwelling in the land forever. Fullness of joy forever. So you look at that person who's mistreating you, belittling you, maybe even because you're a Christian, and you say, listen, okay, you got to join this team. You, you got to pick up, pick up, join, help me, because it's just a few short hours that we're doing this, and I get good seats the rest of the season. We don't, we don't, react in anger we're actually pitying that Jesus calls them a fool because they're just building bigger barns and they don't know that tonight their soul is required of them and so we we are careful with our emotional response to the wicked number two as far as application here and uh, this is this is so good and this is what I need to give five minutes to uh, even if we don't get our last one um, th- this is just practical. As we looked at, there's all these different types of psalms, right? Justice psalms, wisdom psalms, praise psalms, lament psalms. This is a wisdom psalm. You could have read this in the book of Proverbs. Because what he's going to help us do is know how to act in a wicked world. What are you going to do, brothers and sisters, when you, all around you there's lawlessness? And there's no culpability. Well, this is what you do. He gives us all these commands. There are six commands. They're bookended with trust. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. But there's actually five others in the middle there. And this is our marching orders. This is what we do uh, to make life work, living in a world where the wicked may prosper. First of all, you trust in the Lord. Right? There is a temptation to be anxious and worried that's showing that we are trusting in ourselves rather than trusting in the Lord. And there's a temptation to work so hard that you mentally are trusting yourself. That's wrong too. We've got to trust in the Lord. Leave it in his hands. Trust in the Lord. What's the second command there in verse 3? Trust in the Lord and what? 
do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. Just, like, he just, keep trusting the Lord, but continue to do good. Right? We, we, we need to do what we can. Um, single-handedly, you're not going to go out there and stop Putin. All right? You're just not going to. Now, you may join the army. You may, you may try to help. But you know what? You can help your neighbor who has no air conditioner or who needs a meal. Or, right? Sometimes we think, oh, the wickedness that's in the world all over here. But what about your brother or sister who needs to be encouraged in the faith? This is a trick of Satan for us to see all the big problems and not do good today. Not do good with my life today. Do what is right. Make the steps for what will help someone else today. That's God's instruction for you. Now we try to, to help with these other things too, but, but let's not lose sight of doing good today. Being a good neighbor today. Treating others as I would have them treat me today. So, trust in the Lord. Secondly, do good. Thirdly, dwell in the land. There's a temptation to run from wicked places to live in a bubble. Um, That's not what God encouraged Israel to do. He's like, stay in the land. Stay in the land and do good. Be a part of the solution by doing right where you are. And it's kind of combined with the rest of the phrase. Dwell in the land and do what? Cultivate faithfulness. Isn't that great? Cultivate faithfulness. All right, this is an interesting one. We could take an hour on it, and I'm not going to. But um, how many of you have a translation other than the New American Standard? Right? My, the New American Standard says, cultivate faithfulness. Anyone else have a different rendering of that Hebrew phrase? Verse 3. How many, anybody have the King James What does that say? Real loud, Charlotte. Okay. Feed on the faithfulness. I looked at like eight translations and it was translated eight different ways. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Well, that doesn't mean that someone's trying to change the words of God. That's not what that's talking about. Um, it, it, the, the two words are befriend, which also can be translated pasture or tend. That's the Hebrew. Just two words. And, and there's all these phrases that come of it. One is befriend or pastor or tend. And the other one is faithfulness. And so, and so I do like Nasby's translation here because I, I, think that, I don't think he's talking about befriending. Okay, um, because he keeps talking about grass and pasture and being cut off. So the idea is, what are you going to cultivate? What, what are you growing in your garden? You need to go, grow faithfulness. Faithfulness. You want to make a difference in Queens? Okay, it would be awesome to have an evangelistic campaign and two million people get saved. I would love that. But you know what? Until then, you know what we need? We need you to cultivate faithfulness. 
It's not just the big thing once a year. It's every day, every day, every day, cultivating, tearing up the, the, the fallow ground and making my heart moist for the words of God. Daily, regular time with God in the Bible and prayer. Um, you may have that time where you spend, oh, I spent three hours with God and fasted all day. Awesome. What about tomorrow, right? So sometimes we get this jolt, like the kids just got them from camp, right? They want to do what God wants, right? But it's, it's, it's a lifetime of faithfulness. It's each day spending time with the Lord. That's what changes the heart. Cultivate it. Plan it. A sheepfold doesn't just get taken care of on its own. It takes planning, toy and, toil, and skill. And so that's that idea of cultivate. It's used in shepherding, often used in shepherding contexts. You've got to shepherd this in your heart. A, a steady walk with God. Lord, make me faithful. Right? A consistent meeting with the saints to worship, to sing our heart out to God, and to, to hear His Word preached. We need to make that a priority. Each day, listening to the Spirit through His Word. Cultivate faithfulness in the Word. And this is what we need in our church as we consider the, the outreach in the community. Yes, it's big events, but it's constant, daily light, living Jesus in front of others. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of the heart. Commit your way to the Lord. So those next two, delight yourself in the Lord. Finding in God your greatest delight. This is how you do this. This is how you're able to put up with those who are wicked around you. By finding your delight, not in everything being smooth, but your delight is found in Jesus, in loving Him. Delight yourself, not in the absence of turmoil. Delight yourself in what? In the Lord. And He's going to change your desires. He's going to give you the desires of your heart. Reading through Augustine's Confessions, a rich, rich book, um, and, and the phrase right on the first page that he's known for, thou, thou movest us to delight in praising thee, for thou hast formed us for thyself, and our hearts are restless till thy, they find their rest in thee. God makes us this way to where nothing else will really delight us until we find our delight in God. And then as we delight in him, he's going to give us our desires. He's going to give us himself. As you delight in him, then you can just commit your way to the Lord. Uh, the idea is to roll, roll all those plans, right? You've got this way that you have planned out. Lord, this is the way I'm going to go. You just roll that up, right? You just ball it up and you roll it to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do it. Um, so this is how we respond. Trust in the Lord and cultivate faithfulness. I trust you're doing that today. One other closing thought here. This is so important. He closes with this. Because if you read this, you're tempted to say, I need to be righteous so God will like me. And he'll make me dwell in the land. That is not what the text says. I'm I'm becoming so convinced. uh, Not so convinced, but... But so much of our Christianity is legalism and moralism. And it will never 
save you from a life of selfishness. Same in the Old Testament. David was saved by grace alone through faith alone. Abraham was saved by grace alone through faith alone. And we know through Jesus earning it on the cross. But look at how he ends this. Verses 39 to 40. We are saved by our Lord's mercy, not our own righteousness. We are encouraged to walk the way of the light, but that is not what makes us pleasant in the eyes of God. The the salvation of righteousness, from whom? From that righteous person that finally got their way straight. No, it's from God. Our righteousness always comes from God. My right standing is always through the gospel. He is their strength in time of trouble. David knew this more than anyone. Was there a greater sinner in the pages of of the Bible? And yet he knew, as Romans 4 says, that, that he could be declared right by faith. And so the Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from wicked, the wicked and saves them. How are we saved from the wicked? Even the wicked one, eternity in hell. Because, why does God save them? Because they finally were upright more than everyone else. No, why? What does he say? Because they did what? They took refuge in him. They took refuge in him. Our salvation, right? Our rightness with God is not based on our goodness. And, and, and that is before salvation and after salvation. Our sanctification is a growing like Christ, but our, our standing before God is always based on someone else's righteousness. And by my faith that that gospel applies to me today because I have taken refuge from the wrath of the Father in him. I trust that that he is your righteousness today, that you're trusting in him for your standing before God, and because of that, you are living out the the right calling that he calls us to as his children. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's respond to the Lord's message. Um, We all go through difficult times, and and this text is specifically dealing with times when we are mistreated by the wicked. And and so, maybe you have never felt that, but if you have, let me encourage you to come to the Lord today and and rest in him. Uh, Find in him the one who will take action. That doesn't mean we roll over and let people abuse us. But we find in the Lord our security. We are all living in a world that is wicked. And so we find here six helpful applications uh, to learn how to, to live out today. And maybe, maybe one of those jumped at you more than the others. Talk to the Lord about that. How to cultivate faithfulness in your life. We'll all respond to his message in prayer in a moment. Pastor Andrew will close us in prayer, but let's do business with the Lord. If you'd like to pray with someone, I'll be standing in the back lobby and be happy to pray with you. Let's pray.